What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copan. It's June 11, 2021, and this is Lift and Learn episode 39. In this episode, I'll be talking about a leg workout that you can do in the comfort of your own home, and I'll talk a bit about intuitive eating, a goal that most people should strive for. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. Let's start off this week with some playoff hockey coverage. I actually can't believe the Montreal Canadiens swept the Winnipeg Jets earlier this week. That could have been you, Maple Leafs, but you just seem to choke every damn year. Well, it actually wouldn't matter in the end actually, since the winner of that series, which is now Montreal, gets to play the winner of the Colorado Avalanche versus Las Vegas series. Honestly, I've been saying for the past few weeks that Colorado is going to win the cup, and I was so wrong. (laughs) Starting in Game 5, it looked like it was all in Colorado's hands. The series was tied 2-2. They were at home, leading to nothing going into the third period. And basically, the whole series changed at that point after, uh, during that third period. Vegas managed to tie it up in regulation, and they won that game in overtime. I was already shocked at that one. So Vegas was up 3-2 in that series now, and Game 6, they're at home, they dominated. I watched that game last night, and Vegas just constantly put that pressure on the Avs. I think the final score was 5-3 for Vegas, and they ended up winning the series, advancing to the West Finals. Personally, I don't like the Vegas team, but they don't really have a true, like, elite player, so they definitely seem to play pretty good together as a team. Like, Marchesso, Pacioretty, and their captain Mark Stone, they're doing really well. Their defensive pairings are also really good with uh, Martinez and Peter Angelo. Big shout-out to Brandon Saad, though, former Blackhawks player. He had a good playoff run with the Avalanche this year. He's a playoff player, man. He always shows up during the playoffs and scores huge goals. He had so many for the Blackhawks over the past years. On to the East, Tampa Bay and the Islanders advanced. The Tampa Bay series was over in five games, and I wasn't expecting the Islanders to make it past Boston, to be honest. They won in six games a few days ago, and they dominated in that game six. Kyle Palmieri is having one of the best playoff performances so far this playoffs, actually. And Travis Zajac, who I think they got from the Devils before the trade deadline, turned out to be a huge pickup. Regardless, I think Tampa Bay will be able to handle the Islanders uh, in the East Finals. But honestly, what do I know? 
I thought Boston and Colorado were going to make deep playoff runs, and that didn't happen. But that's actually why I like watching hockey over basketball these days, because it's more unpredictable compared to the super team fest that is the NBA. And I guess we might as well move over to basketball. Also, don't worry guys, the playoffs will be over in a month, so you won't have to hear about this until the winter again. But damn, that game 7 between Dallas and Clippers last weekend was a pretty good one. It went back and forth. I really wanted Dallas to win because I like watching Luka Doncic play, but maybe next year for him. The Clippers are now playing the Utah Jazz, and if I remember correctly, Utah was actually the number one seed in the West. Well, they're up 2 to nothing in the series against the Clippers, and Donovan Mitchell is averaging nearly 40 points, or actually maybe more than 40 points over the first two games in that series. Other than that, Denver is actually down in their series, 2 to nothing against the Phoenix Suns. And speaking of Denver, the league finally crowned the MVP of the season, Nikola Jokic, who single-handedly won me my NBA fantasy this year. He averaged some crazy numbers this year, but now he has to find a way to will his team to the West Finals, so we'll see if he can pull it off without uh, Jamal Murray. In the East, Atlanta and Philadelphia are tied 1-1 in that series, and I think Atlanta could pull off the upset in that one since Joel Embiid is playing a little bit injured, although he's still putting up pretty good numbers. I think he's playing through a little tear in his meniscus or something. The other series is the Brooklyn Nets versus the Bucks, and the Brooklyn Nets, who will likely win the championship this year, are up in that series 2-1. So there you go. Basketball update for the week. Oh, also, um, speaking of the Atlanta Hawks, I almost forgot to mention, I think, uh, what's his name? There's another player on Atlanta who, I think it was another tear in his meniscus as well, and he's having... Uh, season-ending surgery. I just forget his name right now. Oh, that's uh, DeAndre Hunter. Okay, there you go. DeAndre Hunter out for the season. He's going through some knee surgery. And actually, I'm going to mention a sport I don't think I've talked about on here before. Women's golf. Last week was the U.S. Open, and a Filipino girl won it. She's half Filipino, half Japanese. She's 19 years old. Her name is Yuka Sasso. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. That doesn't really sound Filipino to me, but hey, she's representing on the big stage. She was the first person from the Philippines to win a major golf title and also became the youngest female to do it. She tied that record to the day for the youngest person. Pretty cool stuff. With her and Olivia Rodrigo, things are looking up for the Filipinos in 2021. Last thing before we move on from sports, and I'm actually pretty upset that I'm even talking about it, but that Mayweather versus Logan Paul fight last weekend, obviously Mayweather showing why he's one of the goats, if not the goat in a sport, by beating up a YouTuber. Imagine that. Someone who's been training for 40 years to fight beats up somebody who's been training probably less than two years. It was a pretty boring fight. There was no way I was going to pay for some boring exhibition match. I mean, I think they did more hugging than actual punching, but I'm glad I didn't spend upwards of $50 on something like that. 
And if you have Disney Plus, then you should spend some time watching a few things on there, like I wanted to do this week, but just couldn't find the time. I think it was last weekend, Raya and the Last Dragon came out officially into the free version of Disney Plus, so you don't have to pay for early access for that one anymore. I seriously need to watch that one soon since I liked uh, the How to Train Your Dragon movies and does Disney ever really make anything bad these days? I know the movie isn't related to How to Train Your Dragon series but I'm just going to assume this one's going to be good even though they're not related at all. But eh, I'll watch anything with dragons. And every Wednesday starting two days ago there's going to be weekly episodes of a new series on Disney Plus, Loki so there's more Marvel stuff to watch. I still didn't finish that Winter Soldier one, but Loki I actually started this past week. I watched the first episode last night, and it was a little bit boring since they spent a lot of time creating the plot for the season, but I'm sure it's going to be another hit for Disney. I think I read that it broke the record for first day Disney Plus streams, so that's a good start. Loki's character was pretty funny in the Avengers and in the Thor series too, so I'm sure it'll be another good series to watch once a week like WandaVision was. On to some tech this week. Apple had their yearly WWDC this year. They were rumored to be showing off some new MacBook Pros with a new chip, but it looks like we'll have to wait longer for those ones. It is time for me to probably upgrade my laptop but like I said, I guess I gotta wait a little bit longer. There were a bunch of iOS 15, watchOS 8 stuff, and a bunch of macOS stuff since it was all about software at this event. Nothing really stood out to me besides being able to FaceTime anyone now basically. You'll soon be able to just get a link and share it with others and that's gonna support Android and Windows computers as well so that's pretty cool. I'd say it's a few years too late since when they initially announced FaceTime, whenever it was, it was even Steve Jobs who announced that. They said that FaceTime would be open source or they'd share the API or something like that. Well, it's finally here and it could be quite a game changer because there's a bunch of Zoom features on there and we'll see if they can cut their way into that video conferencing type of market. I'm sure when people catch on to using this, it's probably going to end up being better than Zoom. So what else happened at the event? Um, there's going to be AirPlay for Mac coming soon, which is a nice touch. And this universal control thing where your mouse can go from a Mac display to the iMac or to the iPad as well. It's pretty cool, but I don't know if I'll really use most of the features they showed off during the event, to be honest. A little side note actually, since I'm talking about Apple, the American Heart Association officially said this week that MagSafe, which is Apple's wireless charging thingy with magnets, apparently they can interfere with cardiac devices like pacemakers and stuff. So it's, and I quote, has clinically significant risk. Anyways, Jeff Bezos or Bezos, I still don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but Jeff Bezos, Bezos, he says he's going to be one of the people who's going to be heading to space pretty soon. He's known to be the CEO of Amazon until he steps down on July 5th. But he has another company called Blue Origin, and they're sending a rocket up to space on July 20th. 
So yeah, he says he's going to be on that rocket along with his brother, Mark. And they're going to do this after 15 successful test flights happen beforehand. So this rocket is actually going to come back to Earth, actually, so he's not leaving forever or something. It's a 10-minute flight that goes a bit more than 100 kilometers away from Earth into space, and then it'll come back to Earth before it goes into orbit. That's it, really. Alright, on to some real-life events now. My mom's second vaccine dose was pushed up this week. I think she was supposed to have it in early August or something, or late August maybe, and she got it pushed up to July, I believe. So that's a good sign that we have enough supply and should be a sign that more people are getting fully vaccinated quicker than anticipated. I think she got hers moved up about six weeks earlier. My second dose is in early September, and next week it looks like I'll be able to move my date up as well, so... I could actually get it before the end of July too, which would be awesome. And if you're listening to this on day one of its release, that's Friday, June 11th, Ontario has finally, finally moved into phase one of their reopening plan. This is coming actually three days earlier than expected, so it's good to see that they seem to be trying to open things quickly as long as our COVID trend stays on the decline. This means things like larger outdoor gatherings, patios, and some non-essential retail stores will open at 15% capacity. More than 70% of the population now has at least one vaccine dose, which is also good to see. And I believe gyms can't open until phase three of the reopening plan, so I think that means we could be seeing the gyms open in four to six weeks or so. That'll give me more than enough time to prep for my first session in there and make sure that my shoulder is working properly. But up until the gyms do open, I got into a new routine this week. I've been playing basketball as soon as I wake up, basically around 8 usually. I have this court near me, it's like a 10 minute walk away. And I just shoot for a bit and get some cardio in first thing in the morning. And I've been using this Nike Home Court app, and it tracks everything you do and records the session too. So when I go to the courts, I take a hundred shots at least. And then since I bring my tripod and record, it records everything I do and it puts it on the app and actually saves the video on the app and I can go back and watch it and stuff. It's pretty cool. When they first announced this, I think it was also at WWDC actually, now that I'm really thinking about it. I think it was Steve Nash who was showing it off, and it was mainly a basketball app at that point, but now they've started to branch out into other sports and even other kind of exercise in general. Since I've been upping my fitness lately, now that my body is finally feeling good again, I've been doing some exercises on there actually. They're only usually two to five minutes long. That could be being in a squat and shuffling around or dribbling a basketball with both hands. It's actually pretty cool and I've added that kind of activity that I enjoy into my days lately as well. I mean, it's been really nice outside and this week has actually been super hot. I think it's been averaging like 32 degrees Celsius over here, which is great since we're finally getting real good weather. But it's definitely on a hotter side and that's part of the reason why I play basketball in the mornings because it's not too hot at that point yet, but... It's still hot enough uh, to just be in a tank top, even when it's 8 a.m. All right, let's just get into the topics for this week. That's enough rambling. 
Topic 1. What's a leg workout you can do at home? So with the gyms hopefully opening in less than 6 weeks for me, and hopefully for others listening out there, I figured I'd give you guys a workout that you can just do at home to get you ready for when the gyms do open. You don't just want to be sedentary, which is just sitting around and lying down all day and all that, and then just show up to the gym and then just hope that you're ready to squat again. I mean, properly and without it being difficult to even do a bodyweight squat. Now, usually people will just sit around since the gyms aren't open, but if you do plan on going to the gym when they do open and your body has been uh, just stiff and not moving for a few months, this is what's going to happen that first session back. It's going to suck. You're going to feel or be weaker. Your body might be cracking throughout the workout and... Those aren't necessarily bad cracks, but it's like a creaky door, like you haven't had to move that way for so long, so now doing those exercises you used to be familiar with just seem to feel weird. But of course, it's going to be difficult the first time you get back into the gym regardless, but you can make it a little bit easier on yourself. And when you do get back to the gym, you probably should lower your expectations a little bit. You can't just go into the gym and expect to be lifting the same weight you were beforehand. If you've been working out for the past few months, you'll still have to back off the weights even at least a little bit. And if you really haven't been doing anything indoors or outdoors and you're planning on going to the gym, then it's best to start right now. Start today and start getting your body in shape even before that. That way, when you get into the gym, you won't be shocking your body into doing all of these foreign movements. At least, if you're doing something to prepare your body for exercise, you won't be setting yourself as far back as you would if you were just using the time off to just relax and not do much activity. When it comes to your gym strength, you'll probably find that the weights are heavier or you're just a little bit weaker than before, and that's okay and normal. The bottom line is that you'll gain that old muscle back pretty fast because of muscle memory. So you building back to where you were when the gyms closed is going to take a lot less time than building completely new muscle and strength. Like if it took you two years to get from a 135 pound bench to a 225 bench. And then when you get back into the gym you're not as strong. So let's say you're all the way back to doing 135 pounds again on bench, back to your starting point basically. It won't take another 2 years to get back to 225 again. You have that muscle in you already, and it should only take a uh, a few months to get back to where you were beforehand. So to prevent all of this weakness and stiffness, it'd be a good idea to start working out now so that you don't completely shock your CNS your central nervous system, the first time you get into a gym again. The more you do now, the more you'll be growing and stimulating and making sure that muscle you currently have doesn't just waste away due to inactivity. Start today and you won't be setting yourself as far back as you would if you were just inactive, like I said. So basically you should be doing something at home, anything. It doesn't really have to be that intense, at least at first. It can start with just some mobility work, and that's always good to do at the bare minimum. 
Things like fire hydrants and donkey kicks could be great to toss in there, but that's more of a good warm-up for most people. But if you were in the gym squatting and deadlifting before, then here's a pretty good workout that you can do at home just to make sure that you're still pushing yourself a little bit. A basic workout could be doing a few sets of bodyweight squats since that targets basically your whole lower body. And you can make that more intense by doing goblet squats with whatever weights you have at home. Maybe you have dumbbells or kettlebells, or maybe just something like a big bag of rice works here too if you need the extra weight to create that intensity. Another exercise are lunges, which is another great overall leg and glute builder as well. And you can up that intensity by doing walking lunges, that'll make it more difficult. And something like Bulgarian split squats can be even tougher as well, especially if you have dumbbells, but honestly, even just body weight, that one's going to be difficult for most people. I know it is for me. So we got squats, lunges, and at home you can even mimic a deadlift variation with whatever weights you have too. Training at home, I've been doing a lot of um, singular leg or arm movements, so when it comes to doing lower body exercises, I've been doing single leg deadlifts, which are also pretty challenging and gives you that added or extra difficulty of trying to keep your balance. Something that you may not be challenging when your gym routine constantly consists of barbell squats and conventional or sumo deadlifts. Step ups are another great one to do if you have access to stairs in your place. That can actually be a pretty good exercise to build up some cardio endurance along with building the quads and glutes as well. Like I've said before, if you're working out at home, it's a good idea to challenge yourself in new ways like doing those isolation and balance exercises. I'm pretty transparent with you guys, the listeners, uh, about how my workouts are going and I'll tell you exactly how my lower workouts have been, or my lower body workouts, sorry. Now, my goals are to increase my vert a little bit, like my, my jump ability. I'm trying to improve that a little bit and just maintain whatever muscles I have in my lower body. And doing that at home is a little bit difficult since I was squatting nearly 300 pounds pretty consistently in the gym before I got back to Canada two months ago. So one of the routines I've been doing, I think I said it earlier, I've been using the Nike Home Court app and I've been doing some squatting in there and some exercises to increase my vertical. But that's not a main point of my training when it comes to actually trying to maintain my leg strength or whatever leg muscles I have. And since I'm trying to increase my vertical jump a little bit and training a little bit more for athletic purposes, My lower body routine on some days of the week consists of things like jump squats or shuffling in a squat position or exploding off one leg from a lunge position. Now, I don't recommend anyone listening who's overweight to do a routine like this because it is high intensity. That means it'll be tough on your joints and it's probably not a good idea for you to be jumping around. It could hurt your knees if you're not prepared for that kind of intensity. In terms of actual lifting, my routine has pretty much been the same for the past few months. I've been doing Bulgarian split squats since I find that to be a pretty good and difficult alternative to doing barbell squats. I do goblet squats, 
and the single leg deadlifts I mentioned earlier, and I'm constantly practicing a pistol squat, which is difficult for me. I've also been working on an overhead squat, so doing a squat while keeping my arms directly above my head. And I've been working on that one for a while now, and that's become even more important for me now that I'm recovering from my dislocated shoulder. It's helped me with overall mobility in the squat and for my shoulders, because it's still tough for me to bring my left arm over my head and behind my body. If you're at home and aren't doing much, then start now. It doesn't have to be intense to start, but track it and make it harder next week. And over time, you should start to see physical changes, along with an increase in strength and muscle. When it comes to working out your lower body at home, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to come up with exercises that actually challenge you, like squatting or deadlifting hundreds of pounds, but it's a good idea to just do something so that your brain doesn't forget about these movements and you don't lose the mobility you once had. If you've been in lockdown since October of last year, like us Ontarians, then you might notice a huge difference in mobility if you haven't been training consistently, and you don't want to be that way when the gyms do open up in a few weeks. So, after you're done listening to this podcast, go for a walk and do some exercises. That way you'll be prepared when the gyms do open up again. Topic 2. What exactly is intuitive eating? This is actually a really good question, one that has gained a lot of traction over the past few years, even though it's been around for decades. Well, intuitive eating, it's a way of eating, but not a diet. It's where you eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full, basically. And most people do that, I think, but sometimes people overeat if they're eating a food that they like. But intuitive eating also has to do with the differences between actually being physically hungry or just eating for emotional purposes. That could mean actually being physically hungry versus eating foods like a certain snack you're craving and eating that all the time. Or you eat certain bad foods because you're depressed or feeling down. You need to identify that. This way of eating is meant to give you a healthy and positive attitude when it comes to food and the way you look. When it comes to eating intuitively, you don't eat to the point of overfilling your stomach. Just eat until you're comfortably hungry. Maybe that means being aware of the food you're eating, not just thinking about eating as much of it as you can because it tastes so good. And this is common, especially when it comes to highly processed foods or snacks or desserts. You've probably heard someone say that they have two stomachs, one for like normal food and one for desserts or cheat meals or whatever. Eating intuitively is a skill you have to learn, and it might take a few years to get to a point like this because it's based on your body, listening to your body, and eating what it wants. The thing is, when I say this, this might mean you're going to eat highly processed foods all day and night since that's what your body or your brain wants. The thing is, if you're going to ignore those negative signs that comes with eating those foods, like having rough nights of sleep or or, uh, feeling lethargic throughout the day, then this is going to be a lot harder to implement into your life. And it may not be for everyone, to be honest. 
This is why you need to listen to your body properly and what it's telling you. I went over tracking your fitness journey in last week's episode, and you can't really get to intuitive eating unless you track your food and know what most foods contain. You need to first track to know what's in your food. That'll keep you aware of what you're eating. I think it's a mandatory step when it comes to intuitive eating. The amount of times I've had people ask me what a carb or protein or fat is, and then they tell me they want to eat intuitively because they read about how good it is online or something. I mean, if you don't know what a carb, protein, or fat is, I think you need to learn about that first. And being a personal trainer, or if you're in the fitness industry, this seems like common knowledge, but for most people, it's something that you're going to have to learn. When it comes to intuitive eating, there are certain steps to get there, and that's why I said this process could take months or even years to get to. So tracking will help you identify what's in the foods you're eating. You don't necessarily need to memorize everything, but after weighing food for a few weeks or months, you should be able to get the hang of it and be able to estimate generally what you're eating. And that's because you have that experience and that learned skill. Now, it's always good every once in a while to make sure you do track a whole day completely to make sure those estimated measurements in your head are still decently accurate. But the point is, that's what the tracking is there for. For you to basically know more about the foods you're eating. It's going to be a learning experience, honestly. When you do generally know the macros and micros of certain foods, it could give you that awareness and... Maybe you might want to think about substituting certain foods. Like, for example, I love bacon, and I'll eat it once in a while, but more times than not, I'll swap out the real good and oily bacon for something that's a little bit more healthier, like pea meal bacon. It doesn't taste as good, but it's worth it for what you're actually getting, especially if you're not moving much. Two pieces of bacon have something like upwards of 20 grams of fat for just two pieces of bacon and only like 5 grams of protein. Like I said, I don't cut it out completely, but I realize that eating that every single day might not necessarily lead to health problems for me in the future, but it will increase my risk of getting some kind of heart health problem or something along those lines. Food tracking and apps like MyFitnessPal will make you aware of those foods that you eat on a day-to-day basis, and knowing that, you should be able to make little improvements like that. Tracking your food will help identify what foods you need and what amount of calories you need to be eating to lose weight, to gain weight, or maintain the weight you're at. Track your food and look back on it, study it, and you'll learn from it. You'll learn what your body enjoys and doesn't like. For example, maybe you'll find out you're a bit lactose intolerant and you gain a little bloat maybe when you have two cups of milk a day or something along those lines. And you may not have celiac disease, but maybe you do find that gluten actually does create problems within your body. Some kind of gluten sensitivity isn't uncommon. And not just because the media says that a gluten-free diet is the way to go. You need to find out how food reacts with your own body. Food is a tough one to tackle since your diet has probably been shaped culturally and how your family eats. 
like I've said before, I'm Filipino, and that means I grew up eating rice with every meal, along with foods that are really high in sodium, salt, and fat as well. And when I got into school for fitness and health, I quickly realized that eating those foods wouldn't be beneficial for my health and wouldn't be exactly the best thing to be eating when it comes to building muscle or being healthy in general. That doesn't mean I never eat Filipino foods though. I still do, but I eat it less, of course. And I just do more planning when it comes to eating those types of foods. Everybody at some point should be able to just generally eat whatever they want without having to necessarily track it and maintain a healthy body weight. That's what I think the main goal of intuitive eating is. Tracking your food and measuring it out constantly is a time sink and nobody's going to want to do that for every single meal they eat until the day we die just to stay in shape. Realistically, it's not going to happen. So, you want to get to a point where you can eat whatever you want, basically, and still maintain a healthy body weight. And it could take years to get to something like this, this intuitive eating. Of course, something to remember is that one meal is not going to be the difference between you being healthy or unhealthy. It's what you're doing the majority of the time. So, if you eat healthy and with proper portions 9 times out of 10, you're on the right track, and if you have a cheat meal every once in a while, you should be able to maintain a healthy body weight as long as you don't go completely overboard. If you are finding it tough to not overeat, then you gotta slow things down. Be aware of what you're eating and stop thinking of the next bite. Focus on what you're doing, and a tip that could help you is maybe don't eat in front of the TV where you can just absentmindedly be stuffing your face. I could have gone through the 10 basic principles of intuitive eating, but there's no need. Eat when you're hungry, stop when you're 80% full, eat your vegetables, have proper portions, cut down on highly processed foods, and don't eat with your emotions. Meaning, don't just eat bad because you hate yourself or your body. Doing that will only make the problems worse, and you need to realize that. Of course, if you're exercising, then this will help you be at a place where you're maintaining a healthy body weight, and maybe you don't have to be super obsessed about having to hit a certain amount of macronutrients and calories for every single meal. Life and diet will fluctuate. It wouldn't be good to eat the same thing every single day. Yeah, there's staples in your diet, but you should be rotating certain meats and foods and protein sources out for others so that you're eating a diverse diet and getting all kinds of gut bacteria from all sources, mostly whole food hopefully. Ultimately, intuitive eating is a good end goal for most people, I think, to create that body positivity and to just enjoy foods without constantly restricting yourself forever because of certain body goals you're trying to achieve. And that concludes episode 39 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. 
And you can also check out my website, isaiahcopan.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast. Again, thanks for listening. And be sure to tune in next week with another episode where I'll be talking about the benefits of yoga and the importance of hydration, especially during the summer months.